0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and children of all ages. Today is a fantastic day, and let me tell you why. You have got a lot of courage. You've lived this long, you've come this far. Despite the many heartbreaks and pain and disappointment and failure, you are here right now listening to me speak, motivated and rearing to go. Ready to go, folks. It is a Tuesday It is a day to be grateful for whatever is giving you the will to drag your ass out of bed and have some fun today and be a part of the world on this terrific Tuesday. So be motivated, get your goals all ready, and be grateful for the courage getting you up today and having that fantastic day I know you're going to have.
1: It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard.
0: Welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. Oh, that is Frackleberry Hound dropping a chewy paused antler.
2: Yeah, it's funny. She's totally silent 30 seconds (sighs) ago. She sees us starting to record. She goes over to her box, picks out the loudest damn antler toy she can find, and brings it back.
0: And... We were wondering if this was coincidental or what the story was behind this but she knows exactly what she's doing. She's got us trained. Because every time we're going to hit record Frackleberry Hound goes over and grabs one of those chewypaw antlers and just starts making noise.
2: It's like Pavlov's dogs, except I'm not sure if she's the dog or we are in that scenario.
0: I'm just I'm I'm just astounded at her Instincts. Mm-hmm. Her, her diva instincts. Sorry, the levels are really hot here, so I apologize, folks. I Holy just, maybe smokes. we need
2: to try giving her our own microphone sometime. That's all I'm saying.
0: Welcome to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. Let's try again, Sterling, because we were going to do this show right, but look at that. We <laughs> well, already went already off the deep the rail here on a Tuesday, <laughs> which is a Monday for some, because of Martin Luther King Day yesterday. And boy, we've got a really a packed show here. I don't even know if we're going to be able to get to it all today.
2: What do
3: we got?
0: And, you know, we, a lot of times, we start off just right into the show. We take for granted that, you know, not everybody's part of our prep meetings. And we take for granted that we don't do prep meetings. I was
2: going to say, I'm missing the prep meeting, obviously.
0: Yeah, so what we've decided to do today is do a good old-fashioned rundown a little bit. And at that, you know, the whole point of the rundown is going to be, To preview the show, but also kind of show the different parts of the show that are involved. Because we have different segments. First segment, we just have intro, but we have to go through the sponsor. We do our social media, scream and shout, phone line sponsor, the newsmaker, the preview. We set the table. Right. It's the teaser, the taste. You set the table for what the buffet of offering is going to be. So today we're going to talk about the lottery. You know, we got $1.3, $1.4 billion that's going to be given away this week. Well, between the
2: Mega Million and the Powerball, right? There's two of them, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. They're, but both combining like, them. they're both, one's at like 800 one's the other one's at like $700 million.
0: Something along those yeah. lines. And you got to figure in the, you know, the next 24 hours or what are we at now? So there's one tonight mm-hmm. on a Tuesday here, and then there's one on Wednesday night. So over the next 24 hours, there'll be probably another... Hundred million added to it or whatever, so probably one point one point four billion when it's all said and done. One will chunk in at eight. The other one will probably fifth one point five. Yeah, but you know what? You take the cash option, you're only going to get like five hundred
2: million. I mean, it's like almost not worth it.
0: So we'll talk about that. I mean, like I, I love the the uh the comparison that that's just what Jeff Bezos made today. Yeah, that's basically that's his so, daily check. Do you want the Jeff Bezos or the Musk? <laughs> so the, the Bezos is the $700 million and the Musk is the $600 million. He took a hit last week in the stock market, you know, electric cars sure, and all. yeah. Amazon's still going through the roof. No problem. I mean, that's the reality of it, you know, is that that's what these guys are making every day. No lie. No, I know it. No lie. That's honest to God what they're making. Yep. And here we are. Remember? You can go. But that was like our first podcast, wasn't it? Our tap pilot where I talked about that? I think so, yeah. Where where we every now and then when the lottery gets to a certain point everybody's talking about it and that's what Bezos made this morning. Yeah, I'd read something
2: like 150 million dollars a day. Bezos and Musk, you know, it sounds like two failed. Oh no, deodorants. they're making more than that, really. Oh yeah. Well, no, maybe that was an off day.
0: It's 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 pretty good. So we're going to talk about some lottery facts as well as some money stemming off of yesterday. We talked about. By the way. I did look up some money facts. Faces on the dollar bills Mm -hmm. with Harriet Tubman, who's going to be adorning the uh, $20 bill in the near future. And there's some rules and regulations, and there was two non-sitting presidents that are on. Franklin and who? Uh, Benjamin Franklin. Right. And it was Hamilton. Hamilton's on the $10 bill, not the dime. Well, he was the first treasurer. Who's that? Hamilton. He might be. There's the bad phone. We better not take that right now because we're in the middle of an intro. But see how people know when we're Mm -hmm. on the air and we're going. So um, that might be. uh, We'll get into that in the next segment. Money facts and lottery coming up next. And then we're going to do some trolling, social shaming, some talk. That's as well. Some news we got coming up. But all right. Our sponsor today. Speaking of Frackleberry Hound and her chewy toys, or chewy paws, or antlers. Yesterday, we did our social media scream and shout. Scream Scream and shout! You know, because everybody does a social media Mm shout-out. Well, we do scream and shout. That's what everybody needs. But Frackleberry Hound decided that she was going to start dropping her chewy paw antlers during that segment of our sponsor of the day, and our social media scream and shout. And so we kind of kind of robbed, you know, Williams Insulation Company out of Wyoming, WIC, they're better known as, so WICwyo.com, Wickwild. Wickyo.com. We kind of, you know, we kind of robbed them of of, of a little bit of airtime. So, it's not fair. I think let's just combine the two together today again, Absolutely. like we did yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, our sponsor of the day is Chewy Paws, the antlers. So, one thing i I want to mention you folks if you've got a dog these antlers are fantastic for two reasons one all the profits go to the dogs and number two it supports actually an oil and gas company and oh by the way the antlers are good for your animals too because they got all the appropriate zinc and minerals and you know all it's a natural chew toy and they're durable as heck i mean i'm watching her nuzzle
2: these things for weeks and they're
0: still pretty sturdy and they've got different hardnesses too i know moochie loves i mean frack i know frackleberry hound loves the moose it's a little softer Mm -hmm. like that one disappears yeah the other ones kind of gnaws away through time, you know, it's like a <laughs> She slow. carries
2: one around like it's her little bear, you know? know, like it's
0: her stuffed animal. So let's take a look at the WIC, Williams Insulation Company, Wyoming. What do they got here? Okay, yesterday we kind of talked about the, the swag. Yeah, they sent us some really nice swag. They sent us a mouse pad.
2: And what I'm going to be keeping is this awesome tote bag. With their logo on it. Really cool logo, too. Williams Insulation Company has been serving the industrial insulation and fireproofing market for over 35 years and is one of the leading industrial insulation contractors in the central United States, serving you west of the Mississippi. I
0: know they work with mining and power and petroleum and refining and cold storage and number of different industries it's just uh they get a, the bulk of their work from the oil and gas industry yeah 24 and then of or course, 7
2: on call capabilities
0: because the oil and gas industry generally is the first one to have to regulate certain things they stay pretty uh, up up to code on all the new different safety regulations and four letter acronyms that i don't pay <laughs> attention to so these guys can so so there's something that we're supposed to do every day every day we're supposed to have a, a sponsor of the day. And then we also have kind of a social media scream and shout. So we need to post the pictures of the tote bag and the mouse pad. Okay. Well, I like to measure them with our 40-foot tape measure. This monster From the American Directional Driller. So we have that to do as well. We have our newsmaker interview coming up as well. And you know what we're talking about there? We're talking about natural gas. All right? And... There's a lot going on with natural gas. Of course, we we all know about, oh boy, the phone is ringing again. The bad phone, I tell you, it just... You do know you can mute those, right? What's that? You can mute those. Yeah, but how do you know somebody's
2: calling them? (laughs) Right? You're right. That's totally better than interrupting a show.
0: Must be important. Yeah. It
2: says police... Yeah, Yeah, he's trying to multitask right now, trying to figure out exactly what part of the show we're going to be moving on to. But we do really want to thank our sponsors, William Insulation Company and Chewy Paws. It's really nice to have your guys' support and, of course, your awesome swag and awesome antlers.
0: Sorry about that, folks. All right, we're back. Uh, So anyway, our newsmaker interview coming up in the second half of the program is Charlie Rydell from the Center for Liquid Natural Gas. Okay, he's the executive director. He's our newsmaker interview. More of a kind of a, a recap of last year and a look ahead to next year, so more of that type of thing as as people are already out beating the streets for 2021, getting things out there. But you know, there was a lot of that kick in the can. Oh, after Christmas, after the new year, after the election and this and that. And so people are out, you know, and so the liquid natural gas world, it's good to keep an eye on what's going on there because natural gas is the transition. It's, it's, it's where we're going. It's just, if, no matter how you slice and dice it, Natural gas is going to be around for our lifetime, folks. So that's coming up in the second half of the program. Uh, the Oil Man Magazine, new issues out, and you on the cover this time? No, no, I'm not on the cover. No, we've got the our column in there, living the crude life. We have the uh, back page. We have the we're kind of the exit interview. <laughs> nice. So what we do is we take quotes from this program, take quotes, and they go into the magazine. So it you know it's it's more of a, a way of extending our reach part of a our cross promotion there. a little bit so uh, the new oil man magazine and oil woman magazine is out as well the links are available at the crudelife.com of course you can go to oilwomanmagazine.com. you can go to oilmanmagazine.com, magazine.com but we have the links at the crudelife.com as well but like I mentioned we, we've got a column in there and they're pretty progressive. When it co- I mean, they've been covering artificial intelligence for eight years now. Wow. Oh, yeah. They've been, they're very progressive with the magazine. Yeah, I, So um, check that out as well. To end the show, we do a daily update. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. So we have a daily radio update that we now put on the podcast. Really? So it's a daily radio update on the podcast. Just flows off the tongue. Yeah. Just, I mean, just almost you can chant it, right? A pretzel in my mind. (laughs) The daily radio update. Okay. The crude life daily update for the radio on the podcast. (laughs) Jeez, boy, that's better. I like that better. Man, this
2: is great. I am excited in my chest. Can't wait to see that T-shirt. That's.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Dot com has to be long sleeve i'm sure <laughs> to get all those letters on there okay so that's what we have and today it's uh mike marcel and he's breaking down more of that covid stimulus and where the money's going and ching. And, ching, ching. yep and it's just kind of direction it there and, and everything and he talked to the who is it i believe it was the commerce department so um a little bit of um information there. Is there anybody still in charge over there he said that he's been trying, no he said that they were, they're were actually being pretty receptive. other departments are not. Yeah. They're, they're kind Everything kind seems to be kind of up in the air right now in hiding, if mm, you will. So yeah. All right, let's switch gears here for just a second now that we've got some of the, the show laid out a little bit and even some of the sponsorships and we're gonna get to lottery talk in just a second. You got news. But yesterday we talked about uh, dollar bills. Uh, Harriet Tubman, uh, they were talking about going on the $20 bill. This is stemming off of Martin Luther King, some of the civil rights movement, and how. And I, I, I didn't hear of that till yesterday. And I'd. Was like whoa!
2: One of those things that came up, I think, what about six, seven years ago, and then it just got kicked down the road. I think
0: right, and I know that there's always been debates about certain figures on you know money denominations and stamps and all kinds of different things. So it's just noise to me. Yeah, I didn't realize we were so close to actually doing it, so we went and looked it up and. We're going to go through really quickly just on who's on what dollar bill and this and that, because we, we kind of got stumped yesterday. Yeah, it was sort of shameful how little we knew. <laughs> I know. Well, we all know George, do- George Washington's on the $1 bill. All right. But do you know who's on the $2 bill? Uh, I actually have some of those. Is it Jefferson? Thomas Jefferson. All right. Woo-hoo. Thomas Jefferson is also on the nickel. And, of course, George Washington is also on the, the quarter. Right. All quarter. right. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, he's on the $5 bill as well as on the penny. Do you know who's on the $10 bill? Um, no. Alexander Hamilton. Oh
2: yeah. Duh. He,
0: he was not a president. I believe the former secretary treasurer. I think the first secretary of treasury. I yeah. believe he was the first secretary, of secretary of treasurer. So, so that would make sense yep. that he's being honored on the $10 bill. Now, yesterday, I, I mistakenly said he was on the dime, but looking at, upon it a little bit further, uh, FDR. FDR. Franklin Delano Roosevelt is on the dime, of course, with March, March of, Dimes, of Dimes. right, and the polio. Polio, and so to honor him, because before uh, a certain year, you couldn't have faces on there. You could have eagles and bears and beavers and buffaloes and right. wooden nickels and that sort of thing so those things looked cool if you can still find them so on the 20 dollar bill which harriet tubman is supposed to be adorning here in the near future andrew jackson yeah and that one is really funny yeah because he tried to abolish The banking and tried to. I mean, he was staunchly against paper currency. It's almost
2: like it was, you know, sort of a a a diss on him, really, to to slap him on there, or was like a placeholder. They couldn't figure anybody else to
0: stick on it. I think you're right. It was. It was almost like a little bit. We're not talking about ironic tongue in cheek,
2: a little bit. Yeah. Why the twenty out of out of all of the different denominations? It seems like Jackson's like, yeah, we could take him off the wall.
0: I mean, is it because he was against the banking? now there's a lot of the whole of stuff thing about that they're, that they're going to have him replaced by Tubman. Yeah. Well, I mean, why not Alexander Hamilton? Because he wasn't a president. So and I find that interesting. That's right. all. But yeah. So uh, Andrew Jackson was also on the one dollar coin. Really? Yeah, he was. Uh, Ulysses S. Grant. We found out yesterday was the president on the fifty dollar bill. Now, he was also on the commemorative 50-cent coin, but my memory is JFK on the 50-cent coin. Yeah,
2: he was on the half-dollar coin for a while, I think.
0: So, you know, this this doesn't have the coins. This only has the dollar bills. Because I remember my grandfather used
2: to give me the Eisenhower dollars, and those were put
0: out in like the 70s. That's right. And so Eisenhower was on the dollar. The Susan
2: B. Anthony one that was a little smaller, and that one... You see, you don't see them out in circulation anymore, not really. Oh,
0: I get it. So they were commemorative. like yeah. even So on the $500, well, but by the way, back up here, because uh, Benjamin, we all know it's all about the Benjamin's right. $100 bill. Well, there was a $500 bill. Do you know who's on that?
2: Mm-hmm. No.
0: McKinley. But he also My did who? a- uh, William <laughs> McKinley. William McKinley. There was a $1,000 bill. Oh, was that Grover? Grover Cleveland, baby Cleveland. Yeah, probably the greatest president name of all time. Grover Cleveland.
2: Maybe one of the best beards of a president of all time too. What Although
4: is this? Grant, most Grant
2: had
0: a good one. That was that's a great one. Uh, Grant Grand Watermelon. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there was a president on a five thousand dollar bill.
2: Did you know that? I didn't. I don't tend to get my change in five thousand dollar
0: bills. I, I think we'll probably Who be, do you put be on back that? there pretty soon. Is it Reagan? James Madison. <sighs> Madison. James Madison. Okay. The face on the $10,000 bill. There was a $10,000 bill. And he was not a president. And I've never heard of this guy. Who? Salmon Salmon. Okay. Salmon. Salmon P. Chase. What? Is that like the guy from Chase the Banking, Monopoly you think? game? That's what I'm wondering. Is oh. Chase Banking? I'm, I'm, we'll look it up in between yeah. commercial breaks, come back when we do the lottery talk.
2: I wonder if that was like a, one of those, you know, because sometimes they'll issue stuff that never actually gets out into circulation.
0: Now, this one I did know. The $100,000 note.
2: Oh, yeah. The
0: $100,000 bill. I did know this because of The Simpsons. Really? Yes. I know it because of Monopoly. Go ahead. Oh, you do? Yeah. Who is it?
2: Uh... Woodrow Wilson. Woodrow
0: Wilson, baby. That's right. That's right. Yep. And then there's a $1 million bill that doesn't exist, promotional only. Just promotion. Monty Burns. (laughs) Uh, I'm very excited, by the way, for the new money denomination. And I did also see that um, you can only change it once every 20 years, 25 years. Once every 25 years, you can only change a denomination. And there is actually there is a hierarchy of who gets to make the changes and this and that. Oh, yeah. I think we need to start highlighting this. And we might even have to start a movement or a petition because well, that's this probably sounds how, fun. That's probably how Tubman even
2: got considered. You know what I want to know? Do you think we'll ever have another president on our money?
0: Yeah, I do. Really? Oh, I think but Reagan, I mean like a more current president? Be. Do you think yeah. we'll ever have like a... A Reagan dollar, absolutely. I think Reagan will be on a coin, if not if he hasn't already. But I think there will be uh, a Ronald Reagan. there Might even be a Bush, Obama. Obama will be. Yeah, there I was had... actually a movement to get Obama on uh, denomination when he was. But believed. you can't be a living. And that's when right? I found. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's when I found out that you had to be uh, deceased, or you mm-hmm. could not be living because there was this movement. It'd be weird if Obama. you were spending money with your face on it, I
2: guess. Wouldn't it be? I don't know. I've had that dream before,
0: dude. You're from. You lived in Saudi Arabia. I would think that'd be a normal thing.
2: You know, they had the uh, the king's face uh, on a watermark. I'll have to bring some of it over for you to see, and it was okay. really colorful.
0: Well, it's like coming to America, right? <laughs> when he, you know, he, he had the money with his picture on it. Right, Eddie Murphy? Yeah, that's right, <laughs> yeah. He had the money with his picture on it. What are you talking about? It's just, I love that. Oh man, no, we need something poor. <laughs> Yeah, it's a real piece of shit. You'll love it. (laughs) Just that dive of an apartment. Yeah, you'll love it. This will be just fine. He's looking at the hot tub. Yeah, this will (laughs) work. That's such a great scene. Anyway, with that, we're going to take a quick break. We come back. We've got lottery talk. We've got industry news. Oh boy, we got to take our breath after that one. All right, Woo. folks, this is the play hard, work hard portion of the morning show here at the Crude Life. That is Sterling. My name is Jason. Frackleberry Hound is having a little chewy paw toy.
1: Well, Gandhi says now for now makes the whole world blind, and I was two years old when John Lennon died. Well, I was born through a harvest moon And I wasn't too late and I wasn't too soon And I was born on the first day of my life And I was two years old when John Lennon died The Crude Life, play hard, work hard, is sponsored in part by...
0: If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The industrial forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. industry to build a forest if you're interested in sustainable forests growing industry jobs check out the industrial that's the industrial
1: play hard work hard now let's play hard
0: Food Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. It is now time for some news. Ready for the sounder? Is there supposed to be an effect there? All right, Sterling, what do we got going today? Oh, no,
2: it's playing. (laughs) See, I can't hear it. All right, uh, talking here. This is coming in from CNBC, talking about how energy is now outperforming but is no longer a buy and hold sector, the trader says. So last year's worst is now this year's best. Energy is the top-performing sector now, up nearly 15% since January 1, amid falling U.S. crude oil and inventories. The group suffered a horrible 2020, losing over 37%.
0: So it says that the oil and gas industry is number one right now? Yeah, in terms of
2: performance throughout the first part of this year. Um, but and,
0: and we're what, a w- 10 days in?
3: Well, Yeah, 18, mean, 18 eight, eight, yeah. yeah. So, so we're half a
2: month in. Yep. Well, Mark Tepper, president and CEO of Strategic uh, Strategic Wealth Partners, uh, said that uh, said it's a tricky sector. In my opinion, I think this is no longer a buy and hold sector. It's more of a trade. I don't care what time frame you use, three years, five years, ten years. The energy sector has been underperforming the S&P over any of these time frames by double digits annualized.
0: What's he say about the subsidies for renewables and the... Um Corona money—that's used to prop up the free market right now. Well, that's a huge part
2: of it. Yeah, man. but you know, I don't think they mentioned that in this here. Okay, <laughs> that's
0: what—that's a, you- a big part of it, honestly. I mean, because if, if you're really talking about what's going on in a lot of these different places, you know, in North Dakota and Wyoming, and I'm, and I'm not trying to be snarky. I'm just trying to say that there's a lot of government money that's gone into the oil and gas industry right now to keep it going because they've gotten beat up so bad on the other side yeah. so um, I would think that that would be something that most of these economic articles would say like okay the North Dakota government um, uh, stimulus ends on this date and the Wyoming stimulus ends on this date to me that's the type of information I'd like to know if I was a business owner um, not what some guy's opinion is about whether you should buy or hold.
2: Well, you know, and, and I think what they're talking about too is he's making the case that, you know, the that oil has support right now, but it's more because of reduction in supply rather than an increase in demand. But he goes on to talk about Diamondback, his favorite play. It's pure play on the Permian. It's down about 30% year over year. They're a low-cost producer. They're one of the few companies that can actually make money if oil were to drop back down into the thirty or forty dollar range.
0: Anything about the consolidations, about the bankruptcies, about all the small businesses that had to, you know, take a thirty percent reduction on costs so that they can continue to do businesses.
2: Yeah, and how many smaller players can do that? Can take a thirty-seven percent.
0: Oh no, the Nobody's operators saying. don't have to. That's yeah. small. That's the trucking companies yeah. and and the you know like me and 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 the sand guys. You know, it's the small businesses that have to do it. Otherwise, th- someone will. So it's. I always find those those articles very interesting. These economists and these different you know they sit behind their computers and they click and they clack and they haven't ever spent one day out in the out in, not only in the oil and gas world but the real world. <laughs> Well, I mean, because the oil and gas sector, the mining industry, was the only industry adding jobs for like 10 years, and they never got credit for it at all, for any of that stuff. And, and, and a lot of what you're talking about there is actually based on what I just said. So the, the, I call that the reverse ripple, <laughs> the reverse ripple.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, on, like on the macro level, there doesn't seem to be that sort of acknowledgement of the devastation across the industry. I mean, in North Dakota here, we've watched over the last 18 months or so. It's just basically a collapse because of the pandemic, you know? So, mm-hmm. but they're talking about things that don't really, I mean, they don't affect you or me on the daily basis and yet they're pulling the strings that do affect everything all the way down to the guy driving the truck on the road, so.
0: Well, and there's little things too, like, you know, you brought up North Dakota. You know, North Dakota is, is designed to keep corporations out. You know, that's why the Bank of North Dakota is there. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, you know, you have the bigger companies like Hess and Continental Resources and um, Crestwood and, and Whiting, they they don't headquarter out of North Dakota. They headquarter out of Houston and Denver and Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. So they have to pay more to put in house people. You see what I mean? Yeah. For, yeah. So it. Do it, you think that'll change? Oh, No. No, oh, no. Nor- I mean, because
2: because of the way that system sort of baked in.
0: That's why the, the Bank of North Dakota is there for that
2: reason. A yeah. lot of it was
0: for farming to keep out corporate farming, right? Yeah, yeah, and, to allow
2: small operators and small farms to still be able to thrive, right? right? Which yeah,
0: It hasn't turned into that. Yeah, no, they switched that back. Um, there were some Ivy Leaguers that came in and rewrote the banking <laughs> bylaws. Yeah, that's god, what, that's I, shocking. That's a different story <laughs> for a different day. Well, you know, talking about North Dakota conspiracy theory on that, I guess, but. Um, so anyway, yeah, what's really. the story going on there? No, oh, well,
2: this, we you know, bouncing over, talking about North Dakota. This yeah. is from the North Dakota Petroleum Council. They're talking about an estimate here. Biden proposed ban on public lands to cost economy $670 billion over 20 years. And uh, North Dakota is one of the hardest hit by the incoming, incoming president's pledge to ban development. A ban on oiling natural gas development on public lands by President-elect Joe Biden would severely harm the economies of eight Western states, according to a Wyoming Energy Authority study conducted by University of Wyoming professor Tim Codasine.
0: We actually have an interview with Kathleen Skama. She's the executive director president for the Western Energy Alliance. Uh, and um, that's actually what it's about. So people can go to the Crude Life. They they do a lot together, the Petroleum Council and the Western Energy Association. And um, uh, there's her. I can see her name right there. Yep. Yep. So I just wanted to plug that that we've got an exclusive interview with Kathleen Scama, with the Western Energy Alliance, available at thecrudelife.com. And that's, she's she's talking a little bit more in detail. We can. Her and I kind of got into it a little bit. We had a little disagreement. Really? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I like what she's saying here in the article. What's that? Well, basically, uh, she's quoted as saying that uh, President-elect Biden has had to face the reality that he can't ban fracking nationwide. So he's pledged to ban leasing and fracking on federal lands. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's where the, you know, you start to look at the areas up here, you know, that would be devastated by that. North Dakota being probably one of the major ones. Wyoming, of course.
0: Yeah. In fact, they're, they've got the numbers now in a lot of different areas, the percentages. But... It's, it's, what's interesting about it is a lot of it has to do with because of the innovation where you can, you know, you can drill two miles underground Mm -hmm. and just the way that the tables are and the geology and the federal lands, it makes it really complex. Yeah. It's such a patchwork
2: as I understand it. If there's any indication of federal owned mineral yeah.
0: In that area, they have to go through that whole permit process. Right, right. and so, you know, North Dakota's different because some, it's in the 90s, like 93% of the land is, is private, mm-hmm. okay? But 18%, 20%, depending on who you're talking to, of uh, land, is of the minerals, are owned by the Native Americans too, okay? So you've got a couple different little slices that are unique. Mm-hmm. Once you start going west... It's all almost fed, uh, federal land. Really? It's, yeah, it gets very difficult when you get into Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Very difficult when you start getting into some of these other western states. California, forget about it. Um, you know, it's just it's very difficult. So, um, North Dakota actually is going to get impacted, but not even remotely as much as the other Western states. Yeah, just yeah. because of the, the lower percentage of federally owned land outright. What you know. it boils down to, absolutely. Yeah. So That'll be interesting to keep an eye on. All right, what else do we got for news here today? Oh, this is
2: one you mentioned to me. This is from uh, Yahoo Finance. Buy now, pay later, boom. Bring shift away from credit to debt.
0: Okay, I don't even know what Debit. this is, but I saw this headline, and I just, all I could think of... And first of all, what is it?
2: Okay, so they're talking about how Americans are increasingly taking advantage of the buy now, pay later offerings thanks to a growing number of financial technology companies. Splitting payments, as opposed to bulk purchases on credit cards that would occur interest until being paid, is built on the premise that there's a shift away from credit to debit. So does that make any sense? No.
0: <laughs> You're still using credit
2: yeah but i think that's what they're talking about is how just consumers are more and more fundamentally changing the way that they want to pay they want more flexibility they want more transparency than credit yeah what
0: what what more flexibility than credit (laughs) cards can you get you tell me okay so first of all anything here's two two things i got to say about this okay what what was the headline again it was kind of a
2: head-scratcher. Buy now, pay later, boom, bring shift away from credit to debit.
0: Absolutely nothing head-scratching about this. Okay, buy now, pay later. Okay. Any, any sort of program designed around money that needs some catchy marketing slogan, <laughs> do not trust ever. Do not trust ever. Yeah. All right, second, here's the second thing. This should just be called a wimpy plan. Wimpy from Popeye? <laughs> from Popeye. I'll, I'll gladly pay you a Tuesday for a hamburger, hamburger today, today or I'll yep. gladly pay you on Wednesday for a hamburger today. It's
2: whatever today is not. That's all this is. This <laughs> yep. is the wimpy plan. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I think one of the things that uh, that people are talking about as, as being that shift away is that, you know, with traditional credit cards, you had these fixed interest rates and sort of hidden Transfer rates and service fees and things like that. Where if you're dealing with your debit out of your bank account, there's there's usually not those same hidden fees. I don't know. I honestly don't have enough money to really care.
0: I just think it's so fun. We'll just pay for it now then. Yeah. Well, that, I mean that's what I don't get. If it's a debit, it's a debit. If you are you're you're basically saying okay, I'm gonna pay for it, but I'll pay for it in a week. That's how I am interpreting what you're talking about. Otherwise, it's a debit. Well, you know, you go
2: to the gas station. You paying debit or credit? Did you ever stop to think one was different than the other? Other than if you don't have the money in the account, it might actually allow you to do it if you had the actually, credit. No, option. if
0: if you go to one of those places, um, you have to just punch in credit, hmm. regardless. Otherwise, you got to do your your pin number, and then a manager's got to come over, <laughs> and then they got they Then they tell you to just do credit. I mean, it's it's it's. A process. So if that if that's gonna solve the problem, they need to come up with something better than the wimpy slogan. I mean, I'm <laughs> gladly pay you. Actually, today I think the wimpy slogan is better than the one they were working with. Pay you on Wednesday for a hamburger today. Isn't that what it was? I can't remember if yeah, it's Tuesday so. or Wednesday, but um
2: But you know, I mean that's nothing new. The whole idea of I want it now, I'll pay for it later. I mean, that's that's why my parents had a credit card to every damn store in the mall. Well, it was a convenience factor for yeah. a while. I think there was, a, there was a, a novelty to it, too. They still do bar tabs? If
0: you're really lucky. I mean, lucky. like, you know, I, monthly type thing, I, you know? You know,
2: when I worked at a bar or in the kitchen of a bar, I had kind of a tab, but that's because the owner paid me cash. Okay.
0: Nam Peterson from Cheers. He had a tab. <laughs> that one that never got paid. Talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Is that all we got for news today? Those are the three biggies, man. That's it. Just the pay now later? All yeah. right. Well, that's it. If that's we could talk news? more
2: about Cheers if you want to. Did you know that they drank beer at while Cheers? they were
0: at Cheers during
2: the filming? They were I, drinking beer, but it was generally flat or warm.
0: I always read it was non-alcoholic beer in some of them. I don't
2: know. I know that if you remember watching the last episode, or if you've ever rewatched the last episode, they are blasting. They are by the end of that show.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then they did the Leno, and yep. and they couldn't even.
2: No, they couldn't. I don't think they could stand up. Oh, at Oh no, point, they man, apologized. Network had to apologize. No. They it was had like to me at four a.m. at the frying pan. You know, it's pretty. But it, it was so sight.
0: interesting about that. No one cared.
2: No, well, because it was like an. It was like when Mash ended. It was like this national moment where but, they were going away.
0: Who's gonna judge? Plus, it's about a bar.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say who.
0: Who's gonna dr- judge a bunch of people drunk on the finale of the one of the greatest shows ever about a bar? Yeah. Anything less than them being a drunk is a failure. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like when you know you throw a party, you don't want anybody to show up right away.
2: Right. You right. Yeah. To- <laughs> nah, if anybody shows up early, man, that's the worst party ever.
0: <laughs> Are you kidding me? I hate
2: to go to that party.
0: Woo! Thank God nobody showed up on time. (laughs) That's that's at
2: least what I was always telling myself at my parties. I hate (laughs) to
0: (laughs) that party. All right, we got to take a quick pause and we come back. Boy, what would you do if you won the lottery? And would you tell anybody? Gosh, I think you have to. Some states, you don't have to tell anybody. I don't know. Some states, you have to. I think North Dakota, you can be anonymous. All that, plus much more. A little lottery talk and we come back here on the Play Hard, Work Hard, Crude Life Morning Show. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. We'll see you in a
1: few, folks. California. The Crude Life, play hard, work hard, is sponsored in part by...
0: If you have natural gas leases and are looking to sell them, Swan Energy wants to talk to you today. Give them a call at 866-539-0860. That's 866-539-0860. Swan Energy is buying up natural gas leases, and they may buy yours too. Give them a call today. The industrial forest. It takes an industry to build a forest. Industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard,
1: work hard. Now let's play hard.
0: Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling, and we're going to talk a little lottery right now. By the way, I do want to mention? Thank you to our sponsor today. W-I-C, Williams Insulation Company out of Wyoming, also Chewy Paws, they sell antlers, all the pro- all the profits go to the dogs, just wanted to mention our co-sponsors today, we kind of co-sponsored them yesterday, so we're going to co-sponsor them today, they're separate companies, we just kind of mingled them together accidentally and kind of cheated each other out of a little bit of a time, so we thought we'd just carry them over today and. Be obnoxious about it, so (laughs) I think we succeeded. (laughs) That we did, my friend. Okay, let's talk about lottery. First of all, would you, if you won, you know, over 100 million? Okay, would you want people to know about it or not? Because there's there's nine states or ten states where you don't have to. But no, I would definitely not want people to know. I'm the same way. But if you're in, okay, so like North Dakota is one of the states where you can be anonymous. I would be. Minnesota, which is a border state, Mm -hmm. can't be anonymous. So it depends on where you bought your ticket. Depends on, maybe it's where you live.
2: I bet you it's where you live. I I, bet you it's where you live. I would think so. I I think it's where you buy the ticket. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I cross the border so many times, I don't think about it as being Minnesota, North Dakota. Because
0: you have to go to the state capitol a lot of times in order to get your check. We'll take a look at it. Number one, all right. We spend. Now, we, meaning collectively, the royal we spend more on lottery than all other forms of entertainment <laughs> according to the north american association of state and provincial lotteries americans spend 70.1 billion on lottery tickets and that was in 2014 by the way and this is from just last year so apparently it takes a while to collect this information <laughs> as a comparison they spend 63 billion on sports tickets tickets, books, video games, movie tickets and music. Combined. Combined. So all the sports betting, books, video games, movie tickets, music combined 63 billion. Lottery
2: 70.1 billion. Well, when you've got a Mega Million and a Powerball that are each over 700 million dollars, it kind of makes sense. It's got to come from somewhere, right? Right? <laughs> Number 2, most
0: winners blow through their winnings because they're too generous. Yeah.
2: That would be a problem with me.
0: While it might seem many many winners lose their money because they spend it on expensive things they can't afford, they actually give away their money too much. See, this is why I would do with the anonymous. And what I've always said is, you know, my my family and my closest friends, I get them out of debt.
2: That's what I'd give them. That'd be one of the greatest gifts you could give someone. Right.
0: So they're home. Yeah, their their car. You're debt free. Student, whatever it is. You know, you're starting over again. So some friend you might write a check for a hundred thousand. Some might be fifteen. Whatever. You know, maybe you can balance it out. But that's what I always thought. Like, boy, I tell you what, if I was in somebody's shoes, you know, I'd have a hard time accepting money. But if they got me out of debt, maybe that's different. Yeah, I'd like (laughs) to
2: uh, just go ahead and and mention. I'll take that hundred thousand one when you win.
0: (laughs) Now the lottery has expanded at breakneck pace breakneck okay 43 states now have their own lotteries in 1980 it was just 14 you know when i was living in
2: reno i would uh drive over the border to california and for my co-workers to get lottery tickets because you can do just about anything in nevada right but you can't play the lottery I didn't
0: know that. There's no
2: lottery. There's no lottery and That may have Nevada. changed. I've been out of the state for a decade, but yeah, so I would go over the border, right over the border, and it was, you know, there was basically like a building where there was a line on the floor, <laughs> and just, you, were, you were symbolically stepping wow. into California to buy the tickets, yeah.
0: Number five, we all knew this, but there's actually studies that it prays on the poor. Oh, yeah. Disproportionately, those who put up money for lottery tickets are on the lower end of the socioeconomic spectrum. As the Atlantic explains that liberal publication the Atlantic which I read the poorest third of households buy half of all the lotto tickets. Wow. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, that's it, according to a Duke
2: University study. That's something I had I had heard about, you know, it's kind of you're basically winning on the backs of, you know, the the people that unfortunately that's their
0: retirement plan. A $17,500 win came from a tip. Okay, this is a story, I guess. A patron left a 25-year-old bartender in Oregon, or Oregon, a pair of Kino tickets as a tip, and one of them turned out to be a $17,500 win. Nice. You know, we've always heard uh, stories like that. In fact, this one went a little further. The, The bartender tried to pay it back, and the patron refused. It was the tip. I'm surprised they didn't like split it. Yeah, that's what I would have done. You know, it just could have easily have been two worthless pieces of paper. No, I know, but if somebody came back and said, "Hey, listen, I appreciate the tip. Yeah, just so you know, one of them won seventeen thousand five hundred dollars. <laughs> Here, take it back." I'd, I'd be like, you know what? Why don't we just split it? There you go. <laughs> Let's find a happy. Medium. I always tell
2: the people at the gas station, "Give me the best numbers, and I'll come back and re- reward you."
0: so i didn't know this but if you buy a ticket illegally you don't win the winnings how do you buy a ticket here's illegally? how an oregon woman boy oregon get come on you're having trouble with that no they're having trouble yeah. with the lottery they <laughs> popped up in a couple stories already here. A little fishy out there so it's not like florida though where they have all the bunker stuff in oregon a woman won a million dollars in 2005 but when authorities learned that she had purchased it through illegal means, specifically, she used the credit card of her boyfriend's dead mother to buy the ticket. Ouch. With an additional $12,000 in other illegal purchases. Oh. So they confiscated her prize, and her winnings went to the Medford Police Department. Now, that's convenient. That is a whole separate issue, by the way. You know that whole thing, right? The confiscation. The confiscation. The business of confiscation. Mm -hmm. Some believe the Illuminati might be behind the lottery. I did not know this. You know, we just did the money. Those guys are busy. We just did the money. Right. And we had conspiracy theories of the money lined up, but we didn't get to it. And look at that. They, we can't escape from yeah, the conspiracy of the Illuminati. Okay, so let's see what Beyonce's up to here. All right. Sure, those who like to believe in the Illuminati see the nefarious organization behind everything. But this YouTube clip where there's a link <laughs> offers some pretty compelling evidence what the national lottery might be up to. So I'm not going to watch the YouTube clip, but apparently th- they believe that the Illuminati is behind. I didn't know that. I never even heard that one.
2: You know, I think you just, some people just have to believe there's a conspiracy behind everything. You know, I think you just have to look at the math.
0: So, this is one here. How it's paid can matter how much it's paid. Of course, that's a lump sum mm-hmm. or overtime. Yeah. And no when, one takes the overtime. Not many do, do they? I don't they? think so. No, but for one, you make more in the lump sum, mm-hmm. right? Because the taxes over time. Yeah, I'm not sure how it works exactly there, but. But it would be nice to know that, well, I guess for the rest of my life, I get X amount of dollars. You know, I mean, so whatever. I mean, I, I could see both. Well, you remember those, there was some of those that were going around a couple years ago. It was like win a $1,000 every week for the rest of your life. So there is a big difference between whether you're paid in installments over three decades, taxed within each payment, or in a lump sum, when you have to pay a tax on the entire amount all at once. So... That's that's basically the difference, and higher tax rate though if you're paying the lump sum. But can you get grandfathered in? Can you? Can it go to
2: your descendants?
0: That's a good question. I, I mean,
2: I, if it's a lump sum, sure, but I wonder if, like, if you're getting payments and you die, does it still go to your
0: family? I wonder how much of this gets done. Sorry, I was looking at the next one here. Some people scrounge through the garbage looking for winning tickets. I wonder how often this is done when these big jackpots happen. Like how I mean what what I I just it seems like a like a like a like a scatter shot strategy. <laughs> it seems like a blind acorn and a squirrel analogy, you know? <laughs> or something like that. It's just it's a little bit different if you don't I mean, oh, I suppose maybe out in the back of a of a convenience store that would make sense. Maybe. But,
2: you know, they've got those scanners and stuff that you can just pop in and see if your ticket has anything. I'm just thinking that the payout wouldn't be very good, would it? No. I mean,
0: (laughs) but again, you only need to get hit one that's good. Okay. (laughs) Very few winners get plastic surgery. That's interesting that they even know that. You might think that a bunch of money out of the blue might lead to a number of winners trying to shave off a few years of their appearance by way of plastic surgery. But in fact, just 1% of the winners do get plastic surgery. I, I would have well, thought it would have been it's probably like, you know, because they want it. No, because they're trying to hide. So it says the first thing that you should buy is a debt-free credit card. What is a debt-free credit card? Okay. Something for rich people? A new car, house, or jet ski can wait. The first thing lottery winners are advised to do is spend their winnings is paying down their debts. Well, of course you are. When mm-hmm. you pay down a dollar of debt, that's a dollar you no longer owe. Oh, oh boy, boy, this is a oh, this is fascinating. Fa- tell me, tell me more, yeah. Mister Wizard.
2: <laughs> Did you, it come with a picture? There was this great show
0: on Fox, Man versus Animal, and they took <laughs> animals and they raced them against humans. Do you have you ever seen that? No, but I'm guessing it was a pretty much an animal win. So they, I think it was Usain Bolt. Okay. Usain bolt, yeah. He was racing a cheetah or a giraffe. Wow. Or a camel or something. Any one of those probably beat him. And I think it was the giraffe he was racing. Okay. Okay. And Carl Lewis was one of the commentators. So, I mean, that's Fox. This is back when they remember when they just would throw like a boxer in with a celebrity? Yeah, I'd call it a show. Yeah, Yeah. they were doing things like that. Well, they had, okay, man versus animal. That's awesome. I'm not kidding you. It, it, they, they took a sprinter and it had to be Hussan Bolt or somebody. I'm guessing Bolt. it wasn't
2: a cheetah though, because that could get deadly. <laughs> it's like it didn't Hussein, Hussein, Bolt beat the cheetah, then the cheetah <laughs> ate Bolt.
0: Carl Lewis. <laughs> how do you call Best, that? How do you call that? Here's how you, how call, you call it call that. Here's how you preview it. I I think the man has the advantage because he knows he's in a race. Whereas <laughs> the giraffe doesn't know it's in a race. That was that was the brilliant analysis. Oh man, that's, that's on like, prime time, seven o'clock oh. on a Fox Wednesday night or Friday night. Prime time programming. Oh, man versus wild.
2: Man, that's like back when uh, Matt Madden was still calling games. But I don't think his meds were right, and he'd be like, "Yeah, you got to score points to win a football game." I was like, "Whoa,
0: yeah."
2: <laughs> you know, you
0: see, if you need a first down,
2: yeah, yeah. you need to get at least 10 yards. Yes. Yeah. I mean, these little nuggets of wisdom are just dripping there while Pat Summerall's looking at him like, what the fuck? <laughs> in,
0: in order to call a
2: game, I have to talk. <laughs> I have to talk. But they adjusted because he got better when he got back up with
0: uh, Al Michaels. So, oh, I think must have got his meds right. <laughs> All right. This is one that I don't get. So, almost half the winners keep their day jobs. According to the Camelot Group, forty-eight percent of the winners continue to work their day job after striking it rich. Sarah said she might, although I think that attitude has changed recently. But do you honestly think somebody
2: would do that?
4: I you know, it, okay, like through, you know, I've
2: actually talked about it over with my dad because we like to think about winning the lottery, and because yeah. we have scheduled jobs ahead of time. If I won one today, I've still got jobs this week. So yeah, I would, I would, conf- I would finish those jobs. Not i just wouldn't really i don't know i'd probably be in a great mood
0: i, I would i would call in rich call in rich <laughs> uh, did you mean sick no i'm rich i'm calling rich. i'm calling in rich yeah. that's the end of it bye <laughs> <laughs> did
2: you could take half of the money put it in a bank and never have to worry about working ever again and then play with the rest
0: Without a doubt, you can live off the interest, couldn't you? On on some a hundred million dollars, I mean, the interest would be pretty. good. The problem
2: probably is, is that most of the people that win are people like you and me that have never had a lot of money. And so, when you get that influx of money, you can do stupid stuff. You can get swindled. I mean, that's the reason I'd want to be anonymous, right?
0: You wouldn't want, you know, Uncle Ed mm-hmm. <laughs> showing up. Speaking of anonymous. All right, so here's the states. Are you ready for this? Because, you know, some states, you have to go public. Okay, so here are the states. It's only seven, by the way, that you can be anonymous. Delaware, Kansas, Maryland, North Dakota, Ohio, South Carolina, Texas, and Georgia. Okay, they allow winners to seal, shield their identities, while states like California and Wisconsin prohibit winners from remaining anonymous. Yeah. No, I definitely like the anonymous part.
2: That would be the way to go.
0: But there are ways to do anonymous, they say, in some of these other states like that. You can hire a lawyer and get a trust and, you know, you can do some of the loopholes in order to be anonymous. But there are actual states where you cannot. Well, you know,
2: a lottery winner is almost always news. But when you get these ones that are up to almost a billion dollars, you know, if you could be anonymous, people would be looking for you.
0: You asked about, can you leave it to your children? Yeah. The estate tax can come back and bite winners, it says. Getting the winnings in the form of installments can seem like the wisest financial choice. However, this approach can leave your next of kin vulnerable to estate tax if you die before the payout is done. Yeah. so it,
2: it, it You'd will- be better taking it all up and investing it. Than letting it get paid out over years i'm guessing
0: some winners keep on winning yeah, who said you people. could only win once mm-hmm. so a former math professor who probably knows a thing or two about odds yeah. has won the lottery four times 4.5 oh. million the first time 2 million the second time 3 million the third and 10 million the fourth. okay i want to talk to this guy let's get him on the show or strapped to a chair I would think that he's got an inside track. I have things nothing to do with knowing the odds. I I, I think he's got some sort of webcam or something. that just just figured something (laughs) out because... Well, like the McMillions, you know about that whole thing, right? Yeah. Remember oh, the old uh, yeah, where, where they the, the, mon- the monopoly mon- game the monopoly, they, they yeah. rigged it. The employees did.
2: Well, there was an inside job yeah. with a retired police officer that was yeah. part of the security apparatus. Yeah, it was a total inside
0: job. So who's gonna believe the the, the math guys in an inside job? Brilliant. There has been there has been lottery inside jobs before. I think I, there was one in Minnesota a couple days. We would ago. have a guy who worked at a local tavern, okay, and in, in um, North Dakota. North Dakota, we have pull tabs. Pull tabs. Okay. Pull tabs. It's like it's just like a singular paper version of a slot pull. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you open the pull tab and it's cherry, cherry lemon, or they make know. a very satisfying sound. Right. And the the pull tab operator, you give him the cash and he reaches in this big drum or big square or big uh, aquarium and pulls out a handful and gives you the eight or whatever. But they keep track of the winnings. Mm-hmm. So if they ever get it to where it's like uh, top heavy of winners, okay. So let's say you're down to you know you're getting close to half full because I think when you're around forty percent they got to pull it, okay. You you can't go below forty percent, okay. Maybe it's thirty if the right. number is, but there's a sweet spot, okay. Like oh. We've only had one 1,000 winner. There's 10 left. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I've,
2: I've watched people sit at a bar and get into a, get into a box of pull tabs and get angry if somebody else tried well, to buy one.
0: Because you can get tipped off by the pull tab operator if the odds are in your favor to say, if you got 300 bucks to spend, you're probably going to walk out with three grand. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But you gotta spend three hundred bucks. Well,
2: and it's you know, they used to put it up so they would show which ones were gone, you know, so there's no more two fifties. There's you know, so you knew what kind of bucket or whatever you were. Do they not do that anymore? I'm not sure.
0: I was gonna say that's what they used to do. I think that's what they still do. And so, yeah, if if you had a pull tab operator that knew what he was doing, this was before even cell phones. You gotta
2: watch out pull tabs, man. It's like eating sunflower seeds or cashews. You'll just sit there and do it and do it and do it.
0: So fun to watch single guys do it (laughs) because they got money to blow. And they'll just still spend like a thousand bucks on yeah. pull tabs. There'll be a
2: plate of, of dead chicken wings <laughs> next to a pile of empty pull
0: tabs. It's like when you go to <laughs> the Texas Roadhouse with peanuts all over the floor. Mm. It's just it's just pull tabs all over the floor. That's how we do it up in North Dakota. <laughs> you go to Minnesota. We mentioned Minnesota. Yep. That's how it is in the lakes country. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, you, you go, go in, there's
2: the Lions Club doing the pull tabs. You, yep.
0: Any place on the lake is just full of pull tabs and... Hot beef sandwiches. <laughs> wait, What are we talking about? <laughs> That's going to do it, day, man. we got to get ready for our liquid natural gas interview. We're ready to work hard coming up next with the Center of Liquid Natural Gas. Sterling, any
2: final words on the lottery? No, I'm just hoping I'm going to win. i got to go get a couple of tickets. Looking forward to this
0: interview. Good luck. Can't wait. All right. Play hard, work hard. Work hard up next.
1: Some falls down, now it's the dust I carry what I need Baby, you I can trust I carry a note In the pocket of life And a pencil and erase By my side
0: the crude life with Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the program today.
1: If you want to look at America, you go to per- and, and and that's what America should be united as
2: one, and that's exactly what we are. And and then you know that's what I love about the oil and gas industry. One
3: county in Kansas, one single county, produced nine percent of the world's oil. That was oil that won World War One, as the British said from the floor of Parliament. The Allies floated to victory on a sea of oil.
5: Works picked up here in the Permian Basin.
2: Yeah, leadership really needs to take a look at how it, we've been doing things and constantly make changes in how we can do
3: things better. Commodities are always, 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 any commodity business, whether it's
0: milk or whether it's oil or whether it's apples, they always are boom or bust because the
3: solution to low prices is high prices, the solution to high prices is, you know, is high prices. It's
0: a
1: big issue. You know, it's kind of red riding hood syndrome here. People making out the industry to be the big bad wolf.
5: And on top of that, you know, you would get a nice increase in pay, as I'm sure most of us all know, when you move to oil field areas, you get a little little bump in pay after him and i having five margaritas over at the cork and pig i called my boyfriend and i was like hey do you want to move to texas and he was like yeah when when are we moving (laughs) and honestly we moved about a month after that
1: this oil and gas industry i've met some of the best people i've ever met in my life doing this play hard work hard now let's work hard.
4: My name is Jenica Hauser and I'm back with another interview on behalf of the life.com and today we get to talk with Charlie Riedel and he is the executive director for the Center for Liquefied Natural Gas. Am I correct, Charlie? That's, that's your actual job title, yes?
3: That's, uh, that's correct.
4: I know you do quite a lot. Would you be interested in telling everyone a little bit about yourself and, and uh, what you do?
3: Sure, happy to. Uh, So the Center for LNG is a trade association that is uh, based in Washington, D.C., and uh, we represent companies that are involved in the export of liquefied natural gas, uh, which is really just natural gas cooled to minus 260 degrees uh, and loaded onto cargo vessels and transported around the world uh, to regions and countries and places where uh, natural gas demand is short, uh, or sorry, I should say natural gas supply is short, but demand is high. And so uh, I've been at this for the last almost six years now, uh, representing uh, 12 companies and uh, every one of the uh, current facilities that is currently exporting LNG out of the United States. So. Uh, busy job with, with lots to do between uh, working on Capitol Hill and with uh, the administrations uh, and also with uh, some of the, the, the on the receiving end of where this LNG is being shipped to as well.
4: Nice. Well, I can't imagine that would be a terribly uh, easy job, I suppose, especially <laughs> over uh, a lot of the different things that have happened in the last year. What was it about 10, 11 months ago? 10, 10 months ago is when the China trade agreement was brought forth, right?
3: Yeah, so that's right. I mean, we we, so we've had a ongoing trade dispute with China for the last uh, almost three years now, and uh, it has really slowed uh, the LNG supply or or exports from the United States to China uh, quite considerably. And uh, what we really saw happen was uh, a trade dispute that was started over things that had nothing to do with with natural gas or the trade of natural gas between the United States and China uh and and as the various levers were pulled between the two governments and two countries uh, to try to uh, really bring china to the table uh, in a good faith negotiation effort what we ultimately saw was an escalation of of tariffs being levied against various u.s and chinese products and uh, natural gas was one of the very last tariffs that the chinese uh, levied against the united states and what it really basically did was uh, um, essentially close down trade of LNG between the US. and China. We've started to see a little bit of uh, an uptick in in exports, uh, go back to China as it relates to LNG, but really rather slow. and And I don't think that the Chinese are going to come anywhere close to hitting uh, the the phase one trade agreement that was struck between the US. and China. Like you mentioned, uh, almost 11 months ago now, uh, I, I, I know I'm, I'm hard pressed to sort of see how they're going to meet uh, what, what they set forth in that phase one trade, uh, phase one portion of the uh, trade agreement.
4: Out of, out of curiosity, how far off are they from what they had agreed to? Do you know?
3: Well, they agreed to buy $200 million uh, worth of products uh, from the United States. Uh, I I don't think they're anywhere near that number at this point. Um, the the number really um, uh, will will depend upon sort of where we where we see uh, cargos going. But but to give you a sense, I think we've sent something uh, in 2017. Uh, we sent something like 50 plus cargos to China. In uh, 2019, I think we sent eight, and so far this year, I think we've sent six. So, uh, really, a, a rather significant impact on the on the trade agreement, or as a result of the trade agreement.
4: Well, I can I can only imagine. Have have things been picking up elsewhere around the globe since then, or has this really kind of damaged a lot of what has been uh, what normally would have been exported? I suppose.
3: Yeah, great question, and and the answer is. It has what has happened, right, is, is the LNG that is already being produced in the United States. Like I mentioned, there are six facilities in the lower 48 that are producing LNG, mostly in the Gulf Coast region. Uh, but those facilities have been sending their LNG to other areas around the world. Uh, a lot of that gas that would probably or would have been bound for China uh, has been headed to Europe. Uh, so so we have seen um as, as we're recovering from the pandemic and we start to see some of these other countries who are maybe a bit further along in their recovery from the pandemic uh, versus the United States, we're starting to see demand tick back up. And, and we've actually been hitting, as far as feed gas goes, into these facilities, some of the highest numbers, actually the highest numbers that we've uh, seen since we started exporting gas in 2016. So, um You know, we're seeing other markets absorb the LNG that that would have probably been bound for China had it not been for the trade dispute. So so we are we are okay where we're feeling the impact as an industry uh, as it relates to China. Are, are these projects that have been fully sanctioned by the U.S. government, right? So they have all the necessary permits. They have all their design plans in place. And it's important to sort of understand and put that into context because when we talk about an LNG facility, they're roughly 10 to $20 billion in construction costs, right? So there's a, there's a facility in Maryland uh, that is operated. It's called the Cove Point LNG Facility. It is the single largest private sector construction uh, uh, job in the in the state in the history of the state of Maryland. so so when you think about these pro- projects they're an order of magnitude in the in the multi-billion dollars and they take about four or five years to build. And so when you have a project that's fully permitted and ready to go, and you have a market like China where their demand is growing, and we're not seeing uh, purchase agreements uh, uh, met or, or or agreed upon, it really slows the construction or the, the possibility uh, to build out more of these LNG facilities. And so you really can't build a $15 billion facility uh, with the field of dreams mentality that if you build it, they will come, right? You need you need that, that facility to be underpinned by customer contract agreements. Uh, so you could take that to a financial institution and say, look, I've got – for the next 20 years, a customer lined up who who is going to, to ultimately pay this $20 billion construction cost back. And so uh, we've got a number of projects that are basically shovel ready and, and ready to, to, to get started. Uh, but they're, they're looking for the, the customers. Right. And we saw the pandemic really sort of slow that process down as well. So between China and the pandemic. 2020 is almost a bit of a lost year for the LNG industry as, as we're thinking about the uh, new commercial build out of, of facilities.
4: Mm, that's unfortunate. I guess, I guess since you had brought it up, how did the COVID pandemic change the way things were being done in regards to, uh, you know, the, the LNG process?
3: Yeah. So really, we we didn't see from a from an operational standpoint, right, we didn't really see any fundamental changes. Uh, What we saw, though, was a slowdown in the demand for natural gas globally, right, whether whether because we just saw factories shuttered or slowed where production was limited, people staying at home. So so really the the idea was not necessarily in in regards to uh the facilities that were up and running right they were able to produce lng as as needed but uh the as needed portion of it is is really the 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 part of it that was impacted significantly we just and you look to asia south korea some of these markets where where there's large amounts of manufacturing uh of technology or or a heavy reliance on natural gas for their manufacturing that just basically slowed to almost a halt. And as a result, right, what happened was demand for LNG plummeted, and we saw this big dip just like basically every other commodity that happened when we saw sort of the worldwide lockdown that happened. We're starting to see a slow recovery here. Uh, and, and really, I, I expect that, that as we round into the beginning of next year, towards the end of the first quarter, uh, we'll continue to see sort of these consistent uh, we have high numbers and, and the demand sort of back to where it was pre-pandemic levels. And
4: that's interesting to know because I had a seen on one of the links that was sent to me. It was talking about how the projection for throughout this winter was looking like the demand was going to go up, but the production was going to actually decrease. Do you think that that's still on par? Mm-hmm.
3: I do. I think that we'll continue to see uh that kind of uh that kind of growth right And when we think about that uh, really it it, it sort of takes a step away from the lng production side of this and more towards uh where we're at from in the us as far as natural gas production right And, and we have uh record amounts of gas on hand and in storage and the drawdown of the gas against that that natural gas storage uh, will be an interesting one to sort of follow. A lot of that here in the us. depends upon weather patterns and, and really what happens. Uh, how high are people turning the heat up, and what does that demand look like? Uh, you know, as I look out my window right now, it's snowing, which is usually a good sign for natural gas demand in the winter. So uh, it's one of those things that that we will continue to see uh, and and pay close attention to as as demand for LNG globally recovers. Uh, how how far will that dip into U.S. gas storage?
4: Now, that makes sense. Well, I suppose now you've got a whole uh, new set of potential uh, worries to think about with the uh, potential incoming new presidential administration. How do you think things have been affected so far? I mean, uh, e- even before the inauguration on January 20th, much of the media has already decided. And uh, the Electoral College, of course, had voted placing Biden as president-elect. How do you think this is going to affect the export of lng yeah i I think it's a
3: it's a bit too early to tell but i would i would sort of uh, hazard a a couple of of guesses here that i would offer one is um you know under so so i think from an lng perspective an important nuance to understand is all the facilities that are currently in operation uh were approved under the obama administration and I would expect that uh, knowing, sort of, having been around during the Obama administration and working in the LNG space and, and seeing what's happened over the last four years with the Trump administration, I, I would expect, you know, Vice President Biden, when he was in the Obama administration, was really out uh, in front of a lot of uh, uh, foreign relations and, and involved in a lot of those conversations uh where natural gas was a part or a topic of conversation and and he was quite a proponent of of lng exports and natural gas i think that we will see more of that i don't know if it will be as uh sort of i I don't expect it i guess what i would say is i don't expect it to be as aggressive uh as it was in the trump can or the trump administration where we saw sort of this full-throated endorsement of natural gas and the use of lng Uh, But I would expect that we will be able to continue to operate with the same level of of confidence that we were under the Obama administration. And as we transition into a a Biden administration, Uh, interestingly enough, right, we were we were sort of humming along uh, as as an industry when President Trump came in. uh, And then he started a trade dispute with our largest trading partner. So it hasn't been exactly a perfect scenario for the LNG industry. Um, I think that, you know, interestingly enough, maybe maybe uh, counterintuitive to what you might hear from fossil fuel industry executive is, I, I, I do think that if the United States re-enters the Paris Climate Agreement, it's actually for the benefit of US LNG exporters. Uh, you know, when we start to look at this, there are opportunities there from an optics standpoint that, that help Uh, U.S. LNG exporters when it looks like we're participating uh, in, in things like the Paris Climate Agreement, when we start to see regulations that look like we're addressing methane, some of the challenges that we hear internationally about U.S. gas production. So I actually think that there there are some opportunities that exist with the incoming Biden administration. A lot of that remains to be seen. Right. We're just starting to see some of the cabinet nominations come through. Uh, so so I think it's it's a bit too premature to start hazarding a whole bunch of of. Uh, thoughts on uh, uh, how we expect this to go, but I, I think that that we'll be able to manage and work with an or uh, with a Biden administration uh, as we did with an Obama and a Trump administration. So I think that there's there's opportunities.
4: Nice. Do Do you think that some of your confidence in that area might stem from all the projects that uh, you've got going on in order to reduce the carbon emissions and uh, like the methane trapping? I was really intrigued reading about the different ways and how. Much carbon has been brought down. Uh, the carbon emissions have been brought down. Yeah,
3: you're right. You're you're absolutely right, Jenny. I mean, I think, Jack. I think there's a, there's there's all kinds of opportunities that exist uh, with technology that that we're seeing. Uh, Center for LNG members deploy some of the efforts and initiatives that they started to address both methane and carbon. And, and really what we've seen here in the US with the adoption of natural gas, switching from coal to natural gas for electric generation, those kinds of things is really going to provide, a, a, a uh, it's providing a blueprint for others around the world to look at. And what we've seen actually, the interesting thing, um, there was a lot of debate about this during the, the presidential election and during the debates uh, around sort of bans on fossil fuels and, and all of these kinds of things. But what we've seen happening with the adoption of natural gas uh, for power generation, what, what we're seeing is it's spurring this sort of partnership or, or developing this partnership with renewables. And what we're, at, what, we're what we're finding is, in, in areas or regions where we're deploying natural gas as part of the solution, right? Not the entirety of the solution, but part of the solution for power generation. It de-risks some of the developing technology related to renewables. So not only is natural gas a cleaner burning fuel uh, from the alternative that we're switching from, which in most cases is, is coal, right? We're switching away from a lot of that that sort of dirtier fuel source, which is immediately uh, addressing some of the, the CO2 emissions, uh, right? We're at the lowest level, but our demand is the highest it's ever been. Uh, but we're seeing renewables as well, start to emerge as a partner with natural gas. And I think that that's sort of the exciting component of where we're headed to next is this sort of long-term partnership that I expect renewables and natural gas to enjoy uh, as a result of, of this technology that's emerging on the renewable front and the reliability of natural gas. So I think that those two together are, are, are going to be a great example that, I'll, that I will use and that I would expect the Biden administration will probably use as well on international trips, um, when we're out talking to foreign governments, um, when we're out talking about the benefits of natural gas and what that allows some of these more ambitious countries to try to do as they're looking towards a renewable future uh, right now and addressing some of the CO2 emissions and, and, and mitigating that and moving off of some of the dirtier fuels.
4: Animal. And I noticed that in a lot of the reports when it comes to carbon and methane emissions uh, in regards to oil, oil and natural gas, a lot of the, the dirtiness, I suppose, would be coming from other countries, it seems. Um, and I'm not sure that that's always mentioned or highlighted. So it kind of got me wondering, since we're moving so forward um, so well, is our technology, is it going to be affordable enough for other countries to emulate? Or do you think that's going to take more innovation uh, down the road?
3: Yeah, that's a that's an interesting question. I, so I think that the short answer is yes. The technologies that we're deploying are definitely affordable. I think that when you look at some of the emerging countries where demand for gas is growing, India is a great example, right? It's it's an emerging market and country that is really trying to lift people out of energy poverty, um, where you know they're using dung. Uh, They're using, you know, all kinds of sort of alternative fuel sources that are much dirtier, much more harmful for their health, the air, uh, and and either to cook with or for for electric generation in their homes, right? Maybe not even had electricity, right? They're burning dung for for lighting uh, in their homes. So when you talk about that and, and the ability to deploy natural gas, we've been doing it here for so long and we've driven so much of the cost out of the technology. Uh, When you think about carbon capture, some of the things that we're able to do here uh, that are easily uh, uh, done or or we can replicate in other countries uh, should be should be a no brainer for some of these these. uh, other countries that are really trying to emerge. And I think that, you know, you, we, we we would look at like in India as a great example of, of what they're trying to do to develop natural gas infrastructure, pipeline, all the things necessary for the long term development of that country. Uh, we're starting to see happen right now. And, and they're and they're able to do it uh, in a cost conscious way.
4: Nice. That ought to be very helpful, I'm sure well okay i wonder is there anything else that you would like to add when it comes to maybe the recovery or um, some plans post pandemic or into 2021 what are we what are we looking forward to is there anything you'd like to uh put a highlight on getting on an
3: airplane again would be a good time um <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> not wearing not wearing a mask uh no I I, I, I I say that in jest but in all honesty right i mean i think that and um, we finally are starting to see some positivity uh, as it relates to this vaccine, which I think will really start to really uh, ramp up the pace in which the recovery happens. Um, you know, these markets where we're starting to see natural gas uh, demand recover uh, are all positive signs. I expect that by the end of 2021, you know, we will we as it as it relates to gas demand. Right. We will see sort of things back to where they were before. Uh, And I think that that is something that all of our members are excited about. I think that it's something that we're working hard and making sure that we continue to really deliver the um, value proposition of natural gas and and the importance of uh, U.S. participation in that market. Right. I think that that's sort of the other part of this that we're going to continue to really uh, uh, focus our attention on. Uh, and making sure that we've got, you know, all, all of the answers for those who are, who are looking at, uh, as they emerge from from the pandemic, these countries, as they emerge from the pandemic, where they're going to focus their their efforts as it relates to climate and make sure that we're ready to, to help answer those those challenges as, as an industry.
4: Just kind of being prepared and, and leading the way, huh?
3: That's it. That's it.
4: <laughs> well, it's a... It's a- Great goal, great vision to have in mind, and I I'm looking forward to the days of getting on a plane and not wearing a mask too. I mean, it's <laughs> normalcy is is a beautiful idea at this point.
3: You don't realize how much you miss it until it's
4: gone, right? So, isn't that the truth of it? Well, thank you so much for your time this morning, Charlie. I really appreciate you taking the time to to talk with us today and, well, talk with me today and and give us some of this information. There's a lot of really great stuff in here, and I I do appreciate it, so thank you. Of course.
3: Yeah, happy to, Jenica. Thanks so much.
4: All right, my friends, that was Charlie Riedel, the Executive Director for the Center for Liquefied Natural Gas. If you'd like to find out more information, take a look at the show notes for links and if you liked what you heard, make sure to take a look at the rest of what thecrudelife.com has to offer.
1: When you build a bridge and I'll have her on the harmony.
0: Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the program today.
3: You know, I I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years.
1: I I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe
4: everything that people tell them.
5: We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us and especially you, Jason. Without, Without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is.
3: So I I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. Well, that
5: we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us
3: information on stuff like this. Prices can't go
1: any lower for services. I, I, they're they're too low right now. Like our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're
5: exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can see for my twenty companies, they take it very serious.
1: It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good
2: show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions, because you, you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey,
1: this is Kevin Kramer, representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate, talking to
2: Jason Speece, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Speece.
5: We all like living the crude life, so...
1: <laughs> the Crude Life with host Jason Speece.
0: My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Kate Hornbrook, with ACE Completions and the new president of Oilfield Connections International, the Midland chapter down in the Permian Basin. In just a moment, part of our exclusive interview with Kate Hornbrook right here on the Crude Life Daily Update.
5: So, I mean, right now it's actually been pretty cold out here in the Permian. Um, it, it reminds me of Ohio, so I guess that's good and bad. Um, I kind of figured that once I left Ohio for the holidays that I wouldn't see cold weather again. But lo and behold, here we are. Um, So I've been bundled up. But other than that, I mean, uh, oil industry report, you know, things are definitely picking up out here. Um, I know personally for my company, Ace Completions, you know, we've definitely been picking up a lot of work. And uh, now we're venturing into the water treatment side of things. So that's definitely helping us to bring in some more clientele. So that's really wonderful.
0: Water treatment side of things. Elaborate a little bit more if you can, please.
5: We actually merged with Terra oil field services and they deal on the water treatment side of things. So with their strengths in that and our strengths on the bulk frack chemical side, um, I think it's a match made in heaven, no doubt.
0: Can you recycle water enough so they can water trees?
5: So, yes, I mean, like, you definitely can. It just depends on what method that you would use to treat the water. I mean, you can chemically treat the water, and I would probably not use that type of water for foliage. But if you can use maybe, like, electro electrooxidation of water, or something like a different cleansing process.
0: Is that something that's possible where, you know, an oil and gas company, if they recycle the frack water down to the point to where it can actually water a forest?
5: I don't don't see
0: why not. Awesome. Yes. That'd be amazing to be able to close the loop. To listen to the full-length interview with Kate Hornbrook with the Oilfield Connections International Midland Chapter and ACE Completions, check out thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our ever-growing army of energy enthusiasts through our social media channels. From Facebook to YouTube to Twitter to LinkedIn, we have all kinds of social media channels for you to follow right here at the crude life and thecrudelife.com. From the staff here at the crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life.
1: The Crude Life is sponsored in part by
0: It takes an industry to build a forest. industry to build a forest if you're interested in sustainable forests growing industry jobs check out the industrialforest.com that's the industrialforest.com play hard work hard.